Welcome to the Inspiring Humans podcast. We are so happy to have you listening. My name is Stephanie Willard, and this podcast is a platform to showcase the incredible human spirit. On this podcast, I'll be interviewing people from all over the world and all walks of life who will be sharing with us their personal dreams and their dreams for the future. I believe that through coming together and creating community, incredible things are possible. In fact, anything is possible. And I hope that this podcast is a launch pad for creating the new world that we want to see that will have humanity free, thriving and living in their full self-expression. Today, I am speaking to Patson Netta, who is an incredible human being, a pastor and CEO of Turning Matabella Land Green, which is an organisation which since 2011 has supported over 15,000 local farmers to become sustainable and in their farming practices. His big vision is to support 500,000 farmers in future, and I have absolutely no doubt that he'll be able to achieve that. I had the absolute honour and privilege to meet Patson when I was 19 years old in Melbourne, Australia, when he came for a conference on sustainable development through the organisation called TEAR, T-E-A-R. And Patson, you inspired me when I was at that age and I have held you in very high regard ever since and often thought of you. So it's my absolute excitement and pleasure today to connect with you on the Inspiring Humans platform. Welcome. And I'd love it if you could just introduce yourself. My name is Patson Netta. Um, I've been a pastor for almost most of my life. And I've been a pastor for almost years, where I have had to lead some congregation. And at the same time, currently, I'm a bishop. Uh, but I work with an organization called Turning Notable Group. This organization, basically what it does is the unlocking potential of um, some farmers, particularly the farmer, um, small-scale farmers, where we, will, we are introducing them into as a business not just substantive farming, but farming business, so that they can actually be able to earn a living their farming. The reason why we are doing that is because we are living at a time when it's not easy for people to be employed in the country that I am in, but agriculture has become one of the leading issues because food is short and people need food. So we are helping them make sure that they can produce the food. And we are looking at them doing husbandry and horticulture. In husbandry, we are looking at chickens, both layers, and then at the same time, do we did um, milk from dealing with milk because cows, milk cows will give you money every day. And chickens will give you money in six weeks and if that's every day. So this is why we deal with that. And then hot culture, we are dealing with um, the tomatoes, cabbages, onions, banat, in fact, almost all what's there. And in, we live in a place where the climate is extremely hot. But in that hot climate, 
climate, it's possible for you to be able to do some farming and some issues that you can farm, things like tomatoes, like onions, things like butternut, and they can give you a lot of it. And first of all, we had to deal with the church, with the pastors. From the pastors, then we go into the church itself. From there, then we get into the community. And when we get into the community, we deal with thieves and deal with all the other necessary that is there in that community and then be able to deal with the community. We want to see communities becoming better. We want to see communities being able to sustain themselves, being able to provide for themselves. We want mothers and fathers taking their children as far as university with these agriculture issues. We've seen it happening, and we've seen people actually even calling their children that have moved the country to come back and be able to help them issues of the farming. It has been one of those I've enjoyed in my life, and I've seen a lot of success in it. So far since 2011, we have trained about 14,000 farmers that we are dealing with. Aim is actually, we are aiming at 500,000 of them so that we can have the entire Matabeleland region being able to do farming. And we are looking at exporting some of the things that we are farming. We've already started doing that, but we want really to make sure that this seriously becomes a business. So what we do is we take people for a week where we will be able to tell the first thing we do is our vision, why we are doing what we are doing. And then after that, we actually introduce them in issue farming as a business that you can make money on, that you can survive out of farming, that God actually created land so that out of that land, he is also who makes the crops grow. And therefore, if it is God who makes the crops grow, let's trust him. Let's depend upon him. Nobody wakes up and uh, forces the chicken to grow. It is God who makes it grow. But do your best that you can do. Work hard and let God do the rest of the part. So uh, the uh, vision, then we introduce to the farming as a business. Then we show them examples because where we are, we have actually created places that there are people that are doing it. So far in the play we showed them, which is about a hundred kilometers from Bulawayo, that place is called Shalom Ebenezer. In that place where we do that, we've got about 310 of us that are busy doing this. And people go there and see. Old people learn by seeing. Even young people see it encourages them. They are able to do something. So that's what we're doing. As I speak to you right now, I'm leaving at about two o'clock, going out there with a group of 30 young people that are going to be involved in farming. Our desire is to make sure that they catch up and be able to do this farming business. I thank you. So um, that, Patson, that sounds so inspiring and I wish I was over there so I could come with you out into the field and see what you're doing in real life because that is so incredible that since 2011 you've been able to 
um, support 15,000 farmers and I love the vision to support 500,000 um, and you're an incredible visionary and I remember when you were staying here with us in Melbourne you were extremely curious like a very curious person and you're very disciplined you used to wake up early in the morning and read your bible and I was super curious about you and you were super curious about you know life in Melbourne and um I just think the work that you're doing is incredible and I think it's so important that people know how to grow their own food and are, you know, sustainable within themselves on their own land. And as you said, um, you know, God has given us land to grow food and it's springtime here. So there's lots of new growth happening here at the moment and it's just incredible to see that life force in the plants, in the animals, you know, the life cycles of nature around us. So Patson, um, if you can hear me properly now, what was your, can you share a bit about your time in Australia? What were you doing when you were here in Australia? And what were your impressions of Australia in comparison to Zimbabwe, the life in Zimbabwe? Interesting things I saw in Australia was the way the people, where the living, and uh, the way I was surprised, I'm sure you remember when you could leave your house without locking. I was saying, we can't do this in my country, but we were able to do that. And uh, it seemed as if there were plenty that was there when I'm coming from a place where it's. And that is another thing that encouraged me that we can develop, we can move this country where I come from. We can move into that can be better for the people. And that if the people had themselves, there will be a great change that will take place. That was the first impression that I got when I was brought into, into your country. And I believe that God willing, a lot can still be done in my country. That was one of the other things that inspired me. And then second, the way that... Um, uh, basically the layout of things, the layout of planned issues and things like, and I said, yeah, we can also do that can be well planned. Australia, Melbourne was well planned. Roads and infrastructure sorted out. But above all, what really enjoyed most when I was working with TA was the issue that at least Christianity and giving was and parcel of Australia. That is what I could say in answering your question. Amazing, yeah. I hope I it makes sense. Yes, it makes yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's amazing to be able to travel and see different countries and how they operate and take inspiration of what you can create in your country you know take what's working well and new ideas and that sort of thing so it it's um it, it makes a lot of sense so can you share a little bit about your life patson and what led you to becoming a pastor before you have your you know you had your current position as ceo of your organization uh, when i was about 15 years of age I was already involved in a lot of issues in my country. I was involved in crime. I was already involved in uh, drugs. I was already involved in um, actually 
fighting against what the law was. And I was, I was really a rascal by that time. And at that moment, I met with Jesus Christ when I was 15 years of age. And I asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. And when Jesus Christ came into my life, it changed the whole thing. I was never the same thing. I became a different person. I remember very well the moment Jesus Christ came into my heart. I was in a scripture union camp where schools and scripture union would go, and then we could have camp. When I was there, I met friends. There were friends of mine that were there. When I told them that I had, met, I had accepted Jesus into my life, they laughed at me. They said, three weeks. And when the three weeks were gone, they said three months. And now it is almost over 40 years. In fact, to be very, it is over 50 years. The time that they had said they will give me three months, six months. I became a Christian. That is when I started wanting to be a pastor. And I was still young. There were two things that I wanted to do. I either was going to be a medical doctor and be a pastor. So those were the two things I desired in my life. Of course, history now, you know that I became a pastor. And the thing that drove me to become a pastor was one thing, to see men and women getting to heaven, to see men and women getting away from their lives that is not worthwhile, that is not profitable, that is not doing them any good, into a life that will be best, where they will enjoy being in the Christian field and knowing God. So that is what made me become a pastor. And I remember very well when I was, um, when I was going to take my ID uh, in this country to take it. At that time, we were taking our IDs when we were over. And when I was going to take my ID, the person who was actually giving me the ID asked me and said, what do you want to do? In I said, I want to be a pastor. And he laughed at me. He said, young man, you can't be a pastor. It's impossible. Some of your uh, young people are rascals. And how can you just become a pastor? And that also encouraged me to say, I can. And that is what happened. And of course, years later, I had to do a Bible school. I had to make sure that at least I'm trained and I know what I'm, I'm doing. We started a youth group, which was New Life for All Fellowship, New Life for All Youth and when we started that group, it spread into, into Zimbabwe. And then we had another one in, in, in Harare, which was called Alpha. And we were trying to and from preaching the word of God, ministering to God. And at that time, I had almost what you'd normally call this an year. And during that time, I had to preach a lot of the gospel. And I became one of the youth leaders, became one of the people that led this youth movement. And I grew up into that one. I became a youth pastor from a youth pastor. I became a pastor. And then that is where I am today. And really thank God for the way he had to touch my life and change me where I am. I don't regret even an inch of my life in it to Jesus Christ. It is the best that I've done. Because that kind of life, I got married to a woman who was a friend by the name Faith, and we've got three lovely boys. And they are old right now. All of them are married and three beautiful daughters. I don't even 
doing daughters law to me. They are my daughters because I didn't have daughters. And four grandchildren at the moment. And I tell you, God has been good to me. I really enjoy living and enjoying being in Christ. Then after being a pastor, that is when I got involved with the evangelical. That is how the link with TIA came into being. After that, I worked for an Africa organization, which was the Association of Evangelicals in Africa. I'm an evangelical heart, and I believe that the gospel must be preached. And after that, this is when we started turning Matabele and Green, just in brief. <laughs> That's so good. I can I can feel the joy in your voice when you you know sharing about your family and sharing about that transformation that happened in your life and with you leading so many youth um can you share with us some of the transformation or a story that's really touched your heart of seeing transformation in another when they have you know asked for jesus christ to come into their life oh, oh good question you have asked i've seen hundreds and literally hundreds of young people that have actually give it to Jesus Christ. I've seen people that have been hopeless. Let me just take one example of a young man. He was hopeless. He didn't know what to do. In his life, um, he, he was about the age of 20. He was basically uh, not interested in anything. All he do was he was interested in waking up in the morning, sitting around and doing nothing. And then after that, he depended on his parents because the parents were working. They would give him that and give him that. But because the parents got to a point where they wouldn't give him he started now to steal. He started now to get involved into ways and means of trying to get money. And during that time, he ended up with quite a bit of some, he owed some monies and all that. And then when we talked to him about Jesus Christ, accepted Jesus Christ. And this is the interesting what he did. He said to me, I want to go and apologize to everybody. I've taken anything from him or from her. And he said, can you help me? Can you accompany me? Yes, yes, I'll do that. I had never like that. It was my first time to meet a person who would do that. Went out into different people and you'll apologize. And those he only said money, and, and this is what I'm going, those he stole from, he says, I will do that. Those he was hating, he said, I hate you, but now I love you because of Jesus who has come into my heart. You, that was fascinating. And you hear people, none of the people that he owed anything, whoever wanted back, they actually said, if you have done that, that is great, we lacked that. And of course, there were things that we were, were police case. We went to the police, and the police says, if Jesus had come to life, and this is what you're doing, coming on your own, therefore, we have been pressing charges against you. And that was the most fascinating things that have happened in the life of a young person. There are many other stories that I can give, but just that one of the things that really was a blessing to me. That's um that's so awesome to hear. I love hearing stories like that. You know, trans 
lives transformed, especially disengaged youth, you know, in a, in a time in people's lives where you're still trying to work out your identity and, uh, you know, it's a confusing time for many young people and to, to you know, hear that story is amazing. So, um, Patson, I'm also keen to hear, like, some of the miracles that have happened in your life and in your work because just listening to the work that you do with that many people in farming and you know working with communities with people with many different ideas and opinions about what should happen and can you share with us some of the miracles that have happened in you know in your organization in your workplace to bring about change for people I don't know how many I can share with you, but let me try one or two. Let me try with this one, the first one. We, when we speak to the people, we actually tell them that we need a, a reversal. In my country, we've got a lot of people that are going to South Africa for work. In fact, they are not going there as refugees. They are going there as economical refugees because when they they, they are looking for employment, they want to work. By the way, a country where at one time it was almost 90% unemployment at one time. And I, if you live in a country like that, you would know. We've got so many self-employed people that, that are doing things and no one why we serious about this issue of agriculture. So the, the, there was an old lady who was built to this man who was now living in South Africa. Many people that are married, more of our people, their families that are in South Africa, because they are going to look, and they come to Zimbabwe once a year, probably towards Christmas time. And of course, this man came towards Christmas time. He brought all the goodies, all the gifts, all the children's clothes, the wife's clothes, everything. He came carrying these bags that they carry them. We call them rankini bags because they are so common in our country that people actually bring these. They're coming from South Africa. So he brought these, gave his children, gave his wife, and they literally enjoyed having these things come in, children loved it so much. The wife was one of our farmers. The wife now was chickens, and she was keeping broiler chickens for meat. These chickens, I mean, she was keeping 2,000 of them at a given time. In other words, six weeks, they would actually be able to sell. And another six weeks, she'll be able to sell them. So she was keeping these chickens. And uh, when the husband came, of course, the chickens and the excitement and all that, the, the, the children got the clothes from the husband, they dressed on new clothes during the Christmas time, and, um, and really a lot of excitement. And they brought rice, they brought some of the other things, um, because some of the people at that point in time, they couldn't actually have rice, except once a year, of course, the Christmas time. So this is what this man did when he, he came back. And then he comes back just a few days before Christmas. And then they go back normally around the second or the first of January. So now when he was about to go back, sit down with his wife, 
sat down and called his wife round hut. And he actually, there was a bit of a bit could uh, sit and lean on the walls of the house. He looked at the wife and after calling him, the wife sat down. He said to his wife, I'm going back to South Africa now. I'm going to come back in, in, in December. Please look after the family, look after this. When back, I'll bring you things. And um, I will make sure that I'll be giving you money, sending you money now and again uh, monthly. And then the wife said, no, please don't go back. Stay here with me. And husband said, what do you mean? How can I stay here with you? How am I are we going to live? How are we going to survive? We can't do that. And then the wife pointed to the chickens and he said, we will survive by those chickens. And the husband looked at the chickens and he was angry. He said, how can somebody live on beds? Beds, beds, how can you survive on beds? It's impossible. You need to work. You know, our African men have got very interesting way of doing this. How he had, he, normally they have a knob carry and they have what we call isangele, the thing they use to shape up um, knob carries and things like that. There's got a bit of an axe on the other side. He carried that. He started going around to the whole of his yard. He started shouting. Look at what is he doing? What is he after? He thinks I can survive on beds. How can I survive? Now he's no longer calling them chins, by the way. He's calling them beds. I can't survive on this bed. This woman, I need to go back and work. And normally people now are coming to see what's happening. These people are fighting and what is taking place. And then he went round his yard. And after going round his yard, he came down and sat down. And said to the wife, are you okay in your mind? Do you think I can live on this bed? I can't live on these beds. What is wrong with you, you woman? Do you think I can live on that? And the wife says, yes, I can live on these beds. That is what I'm living on. And this is what I'm managing, managing me. I'm grateful that you gave me the man. But hold on. And the woman went into the house. Every cent that he made for that year, and I tell you, she had made about ten thousand dollars, U.S. dollars. Time in our country, we're dealing with U.S. dollars. Ten thousand dollars she had made out of this every six weeks, two thousand chickens, and took that money, showed it to the husband. This is what I got from those chickens. And the, wife, the husband had never seen so much money in one place. He couldn't even speak. He started the mouth shaking and shaking. And he started looking at the wife, looking at the chickens, looking at he says, that money is from this, this, this is money is from this, 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 this. And he started to, and the wife said, Yes, yes, this money is from those chickens. This money is from those chickens. And he kept on for about five minutes. We can't, she couldn't. He couldn't believe that that money was coming from the chickens. And then he carried his knob carry and he had a tool and he started moving around the yard. Now he was nothing. He was just going, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all that shouting was gone. He started, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people around, they are watching what's happening. 
and then he came back in town. He said, are you telling me the truth to the wife now? He had me coming from those beds, and he says, yes, those chickens and those chickens have money. This is what I've made in six weeks. I make so much money in six weeks. I make so much money. I have gathered everything. I kept it for you. I wanted to use it for anything so that you come and see the man. And the man was dumbfounded. And he looked at them and said, yeah, okay, let me go back. I will work for about six months. And working for six months, then I will come back and I will bring, remember that wardrobe? You remember that bed you saw when you visit me? Then I will have enough money to bring those things back into and being an African man, they are so proud. They can't even get anything from the wives. And then the wife looked at him and says, no, you don't need to go there. I will give you money and gave him 1,000 US dollars. The man handled the 1,000 US dollars in his hands and he was shaking. He was shaking, looked at the wife and he said, okay, that's the case, I'll go and carry my goods and I'll come back and we'll do this business together. Today, they are farming together. If you come to Zimbabwe, I will show you this family. They are farming together, they are staying together, uh, having a beautiful, beautiful marriage life and their children out in the rural areas and their home has improved. They have so much and they are living a very pleasant life. That's one of the stories. That's, that's amazing. And you're such a good storyteller. I was getting shivers as you were telling that story. And um, I'm sure, you know, that story has inspired so many other people as well that they can do the same. Oh, yes. So incredible amazing uh and so patson i i wanted to ask you a little bit more about i know that you know, you obviously know the bible so well what's your favorite part of the bible and what's what's a part of the bible that you refer to all the time that you've drawn a lot of inspiration from in your life hebrews 11 verse 6 it's by saying but he that cometh to god must believe is, and that is a rewarder of them that diligently came. Firstly, believing that there is a God and his name. And secondly, that those who believe in he rewards. And I've seen his rewards in my life in an amazing man. That's my favorite verse. Awesome. Thank you. I'm going to look that one up and and read it and read it again and again because I it's very clear like in your voice and your conviction that you are just so um, joyful, you know, in, in God and in, in Jesus Christ and that that is, that is your life. And I have noticed that about many people and a few pastors that I know as well that really live you know, live the words and use the teachings in the Bible to really, you know, guide them in their lives. And that that's the example that we're meant to be, isn't it? To, you know, to um, for others to be inspired by. So, uh, Patson, um, I was driving back from Queensland up north in Australia a few months ago and I saw a sign on the side of the road and it said, uh, 
eternity, where is your soul going? And it kind of stuck with me. And I just want you to kind of talk to that and share what would your understanding be of a, a, a sign like that? You know, salvation, eternity, where is your soul going? Can you speak to that in terms of your understanding of the Bible? The thing that is there is that as we live in this world, there is so much that we come across and there is so much much depends on our parts. But the very fact is that nobody lives in this world forever. We are temporarily, we are moving into another part. Whether you believe it or you don't believe it, the truth is here. Nobody lives forever, that we know. Therefore, we are moving into somewhere else. Where are we going? I believe that going to where God is. Whether you call it if call it whatever you would like to call it, the fact is this, we are going to where God is. But where God is, it's not everybody who will there. Those who believe in him, those who have asked him, particularly God sent Jesus Christ into this world to die for us. It says in John 3, verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And whoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be a president, you can be a queen, you can be a person who is actually sweeping clean places. The truth is that it says whosoever. And the way whosoever, it doesn't matter whether you're tall, short, fat, that doesn't matter. It's whosoever believeth in him, not perish, but have everlasting life. This life is only in Christ Jesus. And if you give your life to Christ, then you will be where God is and where God wants you to be. And in that place where God is, that is where every human being under the sun is supposed to go. Everyone, whoever lived in this earth is supposed to go to that place. The other place, which is where God is, which is normally called hell, you can call it what you want, but the fact is where God is not. In that place where God is there, there will be others who will go there. But to those who will go there, it, it is going to look as nice and as um, habitable, enjoyable as it is on the other side where God is. And therefore, avoid going to that place because it was not made for you. Neither was it created for you. The Bible says it was made for the devil. And he said, you don't belong there. Go to the place you belong to. What you belong to is where God is. And in order to get to where God, you have to say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. And then when Jesus Christ comes into your life. That is when your soul will be able to get into the right place. In brief, that is what I'll, that's my understanding of that particular inscription you saw. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that because it's, yeah, it was just, it was a very big sign and it stuck with me and I was just really interested to hear what you had to say about that, uh, you know, being a pastor. So thank you. And, um, mm. Patson, 
uh, I'd love to know, you know, what's your, what's the legacy that you want to leave in the world with all of this amazing work that you're doing with youth groups as a pastor, as a CEO of your amazing organisation, empowering so many farmers in Zimbabwe. Like you live in such a, a challenging environment, you know, with, with what Zimbabwe has been through and everything. And your faith is so rock solid and so strong and, uh, I'd, yeah, I'd love to hear what's what's the legacy that you're wanting to leave. I would love to see as many people in my country, if not all of them, getting to where God is. That's what I would love to see. And that is where my interest is. As many of us, Zimbabwean, and of everybody else in the world, being able to go where God is, that is what I would love to see happen. So good. Thank you. So simple. So good and so simple. Thank you. <laughs> uh, thanks so much, Patson. Uh, is there anything else that you would like to share that we haven't covered through my questions? I think I have covered uh, all that and I'm grateful about it. But the only thing to say is this, what we are doing in turning in, it's a very huge vision. It's far much bigger than I am, too, too big for me. But it's not mine, God did. And I would love to see many, many people being able by all means surviving and managing to live on with life without begging. That is the other thing I hadn't said. I thank you. Mm. Yeah, that's amazing. Empowered, people empowered and able to uh, be independent and sovereign beings themselves rather than depending on anybody. Uh, else, any any other humans, depending on God, I suppose. Um, Patson, thank you so much, and I just want to say, I just want to say a thank you to you because I was uh, quite young, I think, when I met you. I think I was around nineteen years old, and you stayed with us in our family home for I think five days, and I remember you sharing your faith, and I remember you waking up early and reading the Bible and talking about the Bible, you know, in, in my home. And when I look back on my life, I, you know, there've been a few people like yourself that have been that inspiration for me. And it's, it's led me to, you know, I've, I've felt very drawn to it in the last year and a half, particularly. So I just want to say a huge thank you because you're one of the people that I met very briefly, but when I was at an impressionable age and you did definitely have an impact on me. So uh, I'm very, very grateful to have crossed paths with you in my life. Thank you very much and God bless you. Thanks, Patson. Thanks for listening to our Inspiring Humans podcast and I hope you enjoyed the show. If you have any inspiring human in mind that you would like to nominate, please reach out and let us know. 
Also, you're very welcome to become part of our Facebook group called Inspiring Humans, where you can connect with incredible people from around the globe. Uh, thirdly, if you are interested in being part of a global network, we have an incredible community at sevencontinentscouncil.com where we hold events, programs and many different initiatives that you can be involved in. Thank you and see you again soon.